If I'm like, you know what, the vision I have in my mind right now, in six months, it's gonna be a reality. What is step number one on that six month journey? It's fucking hard, man. We let it cuss on here. You can say whatever you want. Fuck yeah, baby. I'm Kevin Cape. You're a leadership coach, executive coach, CEO coach. You've worked with some massive companies, HealthAid, Northwestern Mutual, Allied Universal. These are huge companies. The problem is less often, I want this so badly and why don't I have it? And more often, I don't know exactly what I want. How do I get to that answer on a page? What is the process? We'll do an exercise where we talk about like, let's get to the end of your why chain. A founder will say, I want this for my business. Why do you want that? So, well, because then it'll mean that I'm this. And then why do you want that? Well, it'll mean this for my life. And eventually, we'll get to an answer that's totally self-evident and we don't have to ask why now you got to commit to that shit and put it down now there's something else that you said that i thought was really powerful you go we have so many broken money beliefs broken self-worth beliefs you know when i say broken beliefs they're also like natural beliefs i've definitely been on still am on will always be on my own journey to be like okay kevin okay you are fundamentally worthy of love and belonging that's the ultimate end game what do you think is the biggest obstacle that stops people from just feeling that self-worth <clears throat> what a good question you said this actually on the forecast and like i had to pause the youtube video and i had to write it down because it was like that is that is the thing that we want right and let me you know what let me read it out so here's what you said you said imagine every six months you write a story about the life you want that you don't have yet. And then six months later, you have that story as your life. And then you do that every six months. It's a wonderful way to live. And I was like, it was so simple how you put it. <laughs> but that is like the dream, yeah. right? For anyone that's listening, it's like, imagine the thing that you want six months from now, the life that you're like, oh, I'd be so good if I just had it like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's like the income level. It's maybe it's where you're living, who you're with, uh, what you're doing in your career, all of these things, like being able to take a vision from your mind and make it reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is such a powerful thing that when people hear that, I actually think their first reaction would be like one of anger. And here's what I mean when, I, when uh, I say that, which is I want this thing so much and I've tried so many times to kind of bring this vision to life and it hasn't worked for a multitude of reasons. Like I wasn't disciplined. Uh, I just didn't get the opportunity. There's so many reasons it didn't work that when someone like you comes along and is like, this is what you're doing for your clients. It's like, no. It can't be real that someone <laughs> does that. Like it just can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so here's where I wanted to begin because I wanted to make it really practical for people. I wanted to make it really real. With that in mind, what are kind of like the first steps? Mm -hmm. Like what are the, what is, if I'm like, you know what, the vision I have in my mind right now, in six months, it's going to be a reality. Mm -hmm. What is step number one on that six month journey? So funny enough, literally before I left the office to come over here to do this, mm. <clears throat> we were polishing our team's six-month vision. Mm. <clears throat> so I came over here pretty hyped. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's looking good, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two is the, 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 like the core of this, the, the foundation of the philosophy is <clears throat> when we talk about leadership, people tend to gravitate towards qualities or the qualities of a leader. 
that's bad. It's bad for a number of reasons that we can get into later, but for the sake of your question, we're talking about doing leadership. What are the leadership behaviors? Mm. And so the crazy part is, the reason nobody ever achieves that is because they don't write it down. Like literally quite simply, they do not write it down. And then if they do write it down, they don't revisit it. Mm. The two biggest things you can do is actually write it down and then schedule a time to revisit it, ideally with someone that you're accountable with. So for instance, with us, literally today, I was just working on this in Notion. <clears throat> our team writes down our own. Uh, so for me, it's the coaching business, as well as I run the coaching business uh, myself, like that's my business. And then I run a collective that oversees two additional businesses. One is a fractional chief of staff business that <clears throat> basically instead of hiring a full chief of staff, you hire one of our fractional chiefs of staff and they're trained in our leadership methodologies. So they'll manage you. You don't have to figure out how to manage them. And you're paying about a third of the salary. And then also a software. We're working on the world's first leadership software. And you can make an argument that some software is like leadership software, but it's not. It's like management software. It's kind of like super project management software. This is like truly like what do the humans need? Leadership software. So each of us writes in the next six months, what's our business going to look like? And we write it in the past tense. Now, we got this partially from a guy named Ari Weinswig. I think that's how you say his name. Fuck, if he watches this and he's like, Sorry, say my name. And he, I don't think he'd care because he's so cool. Guy's like my hero, but he started a deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Zingerman's Deli. Now he has a whole community of businesses. A lot of what we do has been inspired by, by what he does and like built on the shoulders of what he does. So check him out. So cool. Um, but you want to write it in the past tense as if it's already happened. So it's like a journal entry on April 1st, 2024 which is like kind of a fun day to pick because it's April Fool's. So <laughs> I'm sure we call it something kooky. But when you actually write that all down and then we all look at each other's, we're figuring out ways that we go, oh, mine should probably overlap yours here. You put this in. In order for you to have that, I'm going to have to operate the collective in this way. We're going to have to change the collective in that way so that you can achieve that. Mm, I bet there's a synergy here. So you start to root out all the things you would normally root out down the line when you execute but you get clear up front. Now, here's why most people don't write it down. It's fucking hard, man. Are we allowed to cuss on here? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's very fucking hard to do because you're like, I, a lot of people, <clears throat> the problem is less often, I want this so badly and why don't I have it? And more often, I don't know exactly what I want. And even when you get someone to say what they want, they don't know how to say tangibly what it looks like in their life. It's like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, generalized if maybe a feeling or an yeah. essence like now you got to commit to that shit and put it down now here's the beauty of it the best this process can possibly work is you write down tangibly what you want and then you don't get it as long as you reflect on it when you get to the six month period you're going to learn so much it's unbelievable i can almost guarantee you you'll get it the second six months but people don't write it down and they don't follow up on it i would say write it down you know, get aligned with some people on it, the people that are going to be supporting you on it and come back to it at least every month, if not every two weeks. And sure, we can get real prescriptive about what you do and, and how you break out which results by when and who owns those and what the cadence for accountability is and how you're going to project plan that, blah, 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 blah. But even without all that, if once a month you go, <clears throat> I'm going to now journal on how much closer I am or am not to this and why, you, you'll keep it front of mind, it'll stay important to you, and you get closer and closer and closer and closer. It, <clears throat> a lot of people talk about business owners being visionaries. It's a visionary. 
Most of them are not. Most of them are assholes. And the reason they get the term visionary, oh, sorry about that. That's literally the one ring for my kid. When my kid texts me, so you know, I got to check. This game's on Saturday at three instead of two. Sorry about that, y'all. Um, so people say, oh, that CEO is a visionary. But where that comes from a lot of the time is they'll produce some piece of work or a presentation or a plan. And then the CEO will tear it to shreds. It needs to be this way and make it better that way and change it this way. If the CEO is truly a visionary, he would have already written that all down. And then everyone on the team would be clear what the vision is. But when a CEO has to make all these adjustments, it's because they actually didn't make the vision clear. So they're not a visionary at all. Mm. They just know how to break things apart, which doesn't help people perform at their best. And it definitely doesn't help a group of people achieve the same difficult thing that requires a group. Mm. I get pretty heated up about these things. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. You know what, actually, quickly, um, you said something interesting that i actually i want you to quickly talk about because i think it'll also be inspirational for people because i know it was inspirational to me um which is you spoke about the dream of coming to new york yeah coming with your son um i know that there's a whole story to that mm -hmm. um why why was that so meaningful give people like the quick breakdown why was it so meaningful yeah so uh my uh son's mother and i were never married Mm. We're never like really together, but we've like co-parented copacetically his whole life. <clears throat> um, and so yeah, I've got to live by her so that he can see her. And the arrangement we had, so I've, I've had uh, like primary custody of him for a while. Just I'm a dad. He's a boy. We thought it made sense. Mm. And uh, she would have him for weekends, but we lived two and a half hours away. So Friday was like a bunch of driving and Sunday was a bunch of driving. And then she'd get like a whole Saturday with him. And that's about it. Even, even though it was two out of three weekends, like that's not a lot of time with your kid. And it's like kind of shitty to spend so much of it driving. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so that fact, <clears throat> plus when the pandemic happened, his school announced they were going to go remote the whole year. Mm. And I went, mm, let's run a little experiment, you know? And I knew I was going to come to New York <clears throat> after like, he didn't need me to be his caretaker anymore. So either like after he graduated high school or after he graduated college, I didn't think I would get the opportunity that quickly. And honestly, my, my business was not cash flowing well. It was like, people would say it was a poor financial decision, but I knew it was my chance and I knew it was my dream. I'm like, fuck it, we're going for it. So when the school announced that, I sat down with him and I said, hey, he's 12. And I had brought him to New York once before and he loved it. Do you want to go on a little adventure? I got to check with your mom. She has every right to say no. But I think it might be good like for everybody. We'll go for two, two months. You'll come with me for three weeks. Go with her for a full week. Me with three weeks. Me for three weeks. Her for a full week. And he's like, yeah, I want to do it. So I went to her and I said, look, right now you're only getting like two to three Saturdays a month. And the rest is all driving. If you let us go on this little adventure for two months, I'll send him back to you the fourth week of both months. You get like a full week with him. Like, that sounds great. Right. So like, it's interesting because like, it's kind of like good work, mm. right? Like we were going, there's a win, win, win here. If we just put a little extra time into it. And so we went for two months and he, he had been having some trouble in school back in LA and the, he like, he like just remade himself uh, here in New York. I mean, it helps that he could start school at noon on Zoom at a WeWork next to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like imagine being 12 and you don't have to start school till noon. He loved it. <laughs> 
<clears throat> and it worked for mom because she was getting like a full week at a time. And it worked for me because we were living my dream. And so we stayed for two more months. And then at the end of two months, she moved to like way up in Northern California, just kind of had to for circumstances. So like, I mean, we're talking like 10 hour drive. So he was going to have to fly anyway. Mm. I was like, well, if he's going to fly, why doesn't he fly from New York? And I was like, Hey bud, are you liking this? Like, you want to stay? And he could have said, no, if he said no, we would come back. Mm. I'm not going to like unilaterally decide, you know, you can't, you have to be this far away from your mom. But ultimately he gets more time and more quality time with his mom because we were all willing to go like, what's the right play here. Mm. And so, uh, in that fourth month, uh, I talked to her about it. She was good with it. We signed a lease. That's the dream, baby. Mm. <laughs> and now he's a little city kid. Yeah. Bob's around the city, like a close friend of mine. He uh, goes and picks up her daughter from school and like walks her back to their apartment. And he's playing flag football now. And uh, he has a dream of playing in the NFL, which is like, <clears throat> I'm like, not unathletic, but like I'm not NFL athletic. So <laughs> he's working with my genes. So he's got a ways to go. I'm like, bro, you have to do a lot of extra. So he's going to start coming to my gym with me now. Yeah. I've like got him practicing his, uh, his life skills. I said, I want you to set up calendar invites for uh, when you're going to the gym so that I can join you whenever I can. So he's like using his Google calendar now. Yeah. But dude, it was, <clears throat> the, 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 I was at the point in my business where I was like hounding my biggest client to pay me early so that I could make payroll for my one employee. That's how tight it was. But I knew it was my moment. I knew it was the thing that was true in my soul. I knew it was worth all the risk. I, 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 Gave my 30 days notice in LA. <clears throat> and then we were just staying in Airbnbs out here. And dude, I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> wouldn't change it for the world. It was so much fun. Mm. So, yeah. you know, sometimes when it's what's true in your heart, you just fucking got to go for it. Yeah. See, I, I, I love that. And, um, you know, I, when you said it, I was like, we have to get that in there. Because I remember when we were doing, um, when we did the pre-call for this episode, uh, we were talking and you said that to me. And I remember the way that you, that you even put it of like, my business was in no position <laughs> for me to do this thing. But yeah. you said that the way that everything conspired and came together, there was this unique opportunity that was there. And I knew it wouldn't be there yeah. in the future. It was there right now. Yeah. I had to make the call. And I remember you said, you said, the moment that I landed in New York, it was like the business just went up. Yep, yep. And it, and it worked. And I think it's, for me, it was so, it was so powerful because I'm even considering this whole Miami thing. And it's like the logical side of my brain is like, you're not in the position to do this right <laughs> now. But then there's the other side, which is like the opportunity yeah. has presented itself yeah. right now. And I think it's such a, it's such a powerful thing, which is like, sometimes all the pieces on, it's not going to seem like it makes sense mm -hmm. the way that the pieces are positioned right now. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to almost take like this leap of faith of like, well, the opportunity's here. And a lot of the times it's that, it's that phrase of fortune favors the, fortune favors the brave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's such a, it's well, such a one, one last piece of that story that's funny is I talked about Alan Watts earlier. <clears throat> he talks about his definition of a philosopher as a person who, as they develop new beliefs, they test those beliefs by putting them in action in their own lives with real skin in the game, real risks. And <clears throat> I had developed such a deep belief in the idea that like what's true 
for your soul, like what's right for you, most people will call folly, right? And I, I developed such a deep belief in it that I got my first tattoo. This was August of 2020. It was this one. That's Broadway Tower mm. from your homeland. Mm. <laughs> and it's a style of building, an architectural style called a folly, mm. particularly because like, you know, these guys were building them on the English countryside and they like look extravagant, but they're like, this is like a one room, three-story castle. Like it mm. kind of looks ridiculous, which I like that about it too. Yeah. <clears throat> but other builders and other architects called them folly to like put them down. And I'd always felt like <clears throat> too like outwardly extravagant for my humble inward purposes. <clears throat> too much, too big, too loud, whatever. <clears throat> but I went, I like went all in. I put this on my body forever to say like, I believe in the folly of what's true for you. Other people will call it folly. And then a week later, it was when the opportunity presented itself. And I was like, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. <laughs> All right, you know, let's dive into it. Okay. So I'm reading this book at the moment. It's called uh, The Laws of Human Nature. It's by Robert Greene. And I'm reading this chapter. It's um, the title of the chapter is Elevate Your Perspective. And one of the interesting things he says is that biologically, I guess psychologically as humans, we are hardwired to um, exaggerate and prioritize the immediate term. Mm -hmm. So what's happening in our life right now? And so when people talk about like, we're in this like instant gratification era and everything is so fast and we have no attention span, we're actually, our biology makes us that way. Um, and there's a whole uh, list of reasons why. The thing is, right, so we're kind of hardwired to be very short-term thinking. All the benefits happen in the long term. And so the people that tend to get what they want tend to think in longer time horizons. Here's the thing, because I think you brought up a really good point, which is like, your chances of achieving the thing go up exponentially when you write it down. So then it's like, why can't you write it down? And I think you brought up a good point, which is, um, I don't know what to write down. Mm -hmm. And it's like our psychology as humans, it's not really built for me to know what I want in six months. Like if you, if you just ask someone on the street, like what is the life you want in six months? The most color they could probably give to that picture is like a feeling, or I wanna be in, I don't wanna earn this amount, or like it will be something kind of vague. Um, and so I'm curious, what is the process of me getting really clear on what I want in six months? And when I say really clear, I don't mean the, the first thing that comes to mind where I'm like, I want to be a millionaire <laughs> or some like, it's just some off the wall shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is the thing that I actually want? That is the truth. Yeah. How do I get to that answer on a page? What is the process? This episode is brought to you by Free Agency. If you want to take your career to the next level, Free Agency is a company that you should check out. They manage and represent talent in the tech industry, and they provide you with a dedicated talent agent to help you find, engage, and win top of market roles that will maximize your earning potential. No more leaving money on the table. Stop job searching alone and start building your dream career today with Free Agency. Anyway, back to the show. Yeah, so <clears throat> to lay a little foundation here, behavioral psychologists talk about being satisfied with our lives and in our lives. 
It's the two ways behavioral psychologists look at it. And so being satisfied with your life is, this is my title, this is my company, this is my compensation, this is my partner, this is my home, this is the city I live in. They're all kind of like external accomplishments based. Mm. Being happy in your life means like, I love to sit on the porch in the quiet and drink tea before my day starts. Mm-hmm. And it might mean like I love to go to the gym because I actually love the gym. For me, I love playing flag football on Sundays and Mondays. Like I'm a full grown man with a 15 year old child. Like I'm almost 40 years old. I don't care. I love it. Right. So <clears throat> the first investigation I would do is I would say, imagine you unexpectedly got three days off from your boss and your boss was like, or you got three days off from your business if you're a founder. And you just had a guarantee that the business or your role, your responsibilities were protected. What would you do? And like the, the simpler and the weirder it is, probably the more honest it is. Because we think we have to have these grandiose desires, mm-hmm. right? But those are mostly comparative. And when they're comparative, they're not honest. And when they're not honest, you don't really want them. And when you write down things you don't really want because you think you're supposed to want them, guess what? You don't go through discomfort to get them. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens with being satisfied with your life and in your life is if you're always sacrificing satisfaction in your life, the simple weird things like bike football or enjoying your tea in the morning, then this satisfied with your life, you're pursuing, you're pursuing, you're pursuing. When you get to where you pursued, you have no capacity for enjoyment because you're always looking at the horizon. So practicing your capacity for enjoyment of like what is is a really important way to eventually enjoy what will be. But honestly, I just, I don't think we need as much as we make ourselves out the need, right? So you hear the story over and over and over and over again of like, I achieved all there was to achieve. And then I was like, it's a curse to get everything that you want. But Ray, there's a Ray Charles documentary on Netflix, go watch that. And he talks about, he got everything that he wanted. And then it was like, now what? And that's because those weren't the things that he wanted, right? Like now there's some interesting <clears throat> elements of his story where like as an artist, one of my favorite quotes is, man, it takes a long time to sound like yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's one of his quotes and it, <laughs> that one resonates with me. <clears throat> but at the same time, you've got to have a balance of enjoying the moments of your life along the way. And that's actually central to our model working with founders. So when we start out with a founder, we'll sit down and we'll say, what's your non-negotiable work week? Meaning, what are the things that you do in the course of your week that you have to do to feel like a human being and enjoy your life? You're allowed to, nay, you are required to enjoy your life on the path to success as a founder. And here's why, a couple reasons. Number one, the more like relaxed you are, the more you can get into flow. And the more you're in flow, you're making better decisions, you're leading better, et cetera. Number two, we're going to make you choose at least one activity every week where you just stop, right? Where you're not thinking, where you're not solving, where you're not achieving, where you're not proving because nobody has ever made a good idea. Never. A good idea is always a gift, right? It always like bubbles up from your unconscious, right? Eureka, you know where that comes from? Archimedes sat down in the bathtub. The level of the water rose and this problem he'd been trying to solve of like, how do I measure the volume of an object? He realized, oh, you submerge it in water and then how much water it displaces is the volume of the object. Mm. 
but it was like the relaxation of the bath that caused him to have the realization. He didn't make that great idea. It was like a gift to him, mm. right? And that's how all great ideas are. The closer you are to the top of a business, the more your role is about having breakthroughs of new ways of doing things. It's not like white knuckling the way we already do it. It's always making changements, changes and adjustments to your business so that you're winning in the market. And so that's the number two reason is like you need to leave space so that great ideas come to you and you can innovate. And then the number three reason is from a leadership perspective, what I see all the time is founders are just grinding themselves down to dust and they become resentful of how much they're putting into the business. And then one of their employees, which guys, they don't have upside. And even if they have upside, it's just a little bit of upside. Doesn't grind themselves down the same way. They go, I created your job. Why aren't you grinding yourself down? I'm grinding <laughs> myself down. It's like, well, just fucking stop grinding yourself down, man. Yeah. And the benefits are unbelievable. I mean, that, that one practice alone, get clear on uh, like, you know, for me, it's like, Sunday, Sunday afternoons and Monday nights, I'm playing flag football. Uh, every Sunday uh, or whenever the game is, I'm watching the Chiefs game with my son. <clears throat> I take my son out to one like fancy meal. He's 15 every week. He's got a killer palate. He's going to be a demon when he, <laughs> when he grows up as far as his tastes go. <clears throat> and then uh, I get to the gym three times a week. I need to do yoga at least once a week. It's like, whoa, bro, this is like quite a schedule. Therapy on Tuesday nights. I work with my creativity coach on Friday mornings and I work with my writing coach on Tuesday afternoons. Like it's an insane amount of things that I do for myself, but I have to model it. Mm. And I guarantee you getting clear on all those things. And it's everything from like the gym is like clearly an investment in myself to like, I just want to enjoy great restaurants in the greatest restaurant city in the world with my kid to I want to play a kid's game, right? Mm. I know they're going to put flag football in the Olympics. But until then, it's still a kid's game. Go ahead and recruit me, by the way, NFL. I'm ready. <laughs> I guess it would be the Olympic Committee. Um, so uh, it's crazy how much mileage we get out of just that one activity with founders. And here's how I see it happen. We'll get to six months into the program. And alongside with that non-negotiable work week, we've gotten really clear on what results they and their teams need to produce. Mm. And if you want to, we can get into like how stringent our definition of results is and how it's distinct from goals and objectives and outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. <clears throat> um, but, you know, <clears throat> every founder I've ever worked with is surprised to find out that they're not as good at producing results as they thought, right? Because how many times in your life has you, have you had someone get abundantly clear, like measurable results and then hold you accountable to them? on the exact intervals we said you're gonna achieve them. It's pretty rare. Mm. And so most people find, I can't do as much as I thought and I can't do as quickly as I thought. And that's okay, because we're still, we've got accountability, we're making progress, we're learning why we're not making as much progress as we'd like. <clears throat> so we get to six months and like, eh, we're maybe getting a little better at progress. But if I had showed you your like results data before the program started, you'd be like, what? I swear I was way better than that. And then I'll say, you seem to be in a pretty good state of flow. If they're prioritizing their non-negotiable work weeks, they're just kind of like, all is good. And then I say, I want you to like, take stock of this moment. And I want you to think about fast forwarding your life, five years, 10 years, what would you change? Mm. And they say, I'd maybe put a couple more zeros in my bank account. 
but my life, the way I'm experiencing my life, identical. Mm. It's wild. I've had founders go, <clears throat> I've got a huge opportunity, like payout to sell. And I don't know if I can do it. I don't want to give up the opportunity to run this business and like be in community with these people. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I have this, um, so I do the podcast and then I also have an agency business and I have like a, I don't know what to call it, almost like a coach, a mentor. Uh, we meet like every two weeks and we just discuss how it's going. He's kind of, the thing that I'm trying to do, he's done it. So he's like a few steps ahead. Yeah. And he said something to me. It was such like a casual offhand comment, um, but it clicked in my brain because it was, I just felt like it was really important. Um, it's interesting when you're a coach because you kind of listen to like whatever, what someone is saying in like their life story and then you have to like boil it down to like, yeah, okay, yeah, here's yeah. what actually matters from everything you just gave. And so he listens to me and he's like, it seems that you've made a contract with yourself to be unhappy until you get the thing. <laughs> until you get what you want. I like this guy. Yeah. He was like, you've made a contract with yourself to be unhappy. And I was like, no one's ever put it like that to me. Um, but it's interesting what you say about like the founder or just, it's not even has to be a founder, just anyone who's like grounding themselves into dust, right? To achieve this thing. And I almost feel like, even if you look into what's even popular content, like you look at like, say a, a David Goggins even, that feels that ability to ground yourself into dust feels like the edge. Mm -hmm. Like that feels like what gives you what's your competitive advantage. Like you're just going to do more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about like these non-negotiables, the thing that went in my mind with where I'm at as the person that's made this contract with myself to be unhappy um, is that I could do that, right? Like I could come up with the list of things that like, for me to just be a happy human need to happen each week. The thing is, is that once I have that list and I've been doing it for a few weeks, there will come a point where there's a few extra clients this week, or there's a few dream podcast guests that, you know, they want to record with me. And so it's like, I need more time. And then I can't get more time. So I need to subtract tasks. So the first thing that's going to come off is all of that fulfilling stuff. The gym three times a week is going to become gym once a week. Mm -hmm, if we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a good week. Um, the, you know, the run that I do or like the walk that I go on with my parents or like whatever those things are, those are the first things coming off the list. And so my question to you is, how does that person who is like wired to go out in the world and like make something happen, how do they stay disciplined to this, like these non-negotiables? Like how do they keep those ring fenced off, um, keep them safe? I'm glad you used the word disciplined. <clears throat> so in the West, in Western like tradition or philosophy, discipline means something very different than what it means in the East. Hmm. So like a lot of my concepts and beliefs and my own growth has come from a, a philosopher named Alan Watts, who's British born philosopher of like Eastern traditions. 
hmm. lived in uh, Monterey, California, dead now. But, um, and he talks about <clears throat> Eastern discipline as like an act of self-love, like a Japanese tea ceremony where you're serving tea to friends. It's, it's simple, but it's ceremony, ceremony in how present you are and how generous you are and how aware you are of the, the beautiful implements you're using to make and serve the tea and <clears throat> the way that you're moving your hands and your body and you're just aware you're there and you're enjoying it, right? And so I would say, <laughs> honestly, go to therapy and learn to love yourself. I'm like, mm. I, I'm not, but to everyone, I'm, I'm doing it still, mm. right? Like it's, it's a journey. When I say learn to love yourself, like it's a journey. <clears throat> In 10, 15 years, am I going to be dirty rich? Maybe. Am I going to be much happier or much more fulfilled or much more content or much more present than I am now? I mean, hopefully a little, mm. but like I really make the most out of my life today. You know, this is New York City. You walk across the street and a bus will take you. Get fucking, you get taken out by a bike in this city. Mm. I damn sure I'm not going to be lay, laying there. <laughs> My final moments on the sidewalk of 23rd and 6th yeah. going, uh, I didn't get rich. I'm going to be gone. I had a good weekend with my friends. I think I put my kid on a good path. Right? Like, so this all comes back to this idea of, I told you I'm running this collective. Of currently three businesses. We're looking at a fourth joining. <clears throat> and we're trying to create what's called good work. So Ari Weinswig, I don't know if he popularized it or if he got this from someone else. Good work being on a spectrum from bad work where it's like, this is soul sucking, which is what most of us think about when we think of work, especially yeah. like corp big corporate work. Good jobs is in the middle of the spectrum. It's like, that's a good enough job. You know, I know what, I know what my work is. I'm good at it. I get paid and that's how I afford my life. And then good work is like, this is fulfilling. This is like cares for people. This allows me to express a sense of like identity and experience a contribution to a team or a community. And we take it one step farther and we call it good work, W-E-R-K. Like good work. Like <laughs> you got to put a little pizzazz on it, right? Because we want you to really show up as who you are. Yeah. Right? We think the whole definition of professionalism is broken. Professionalism is like, don't you bring your humanity in here. We want to see all the symbols that you're here to work. Mm. We want to see your suits. We want to see your, uh, your like the, you know, all the memes about the language in emails where it's like, what we really want to say is something different for us. Professionalism is about like creating good work, which good work is work where people, everybody wins in three ways. Number one, getting what you want, right? Too much of business is oriented to <clears throat> shareholders getting what they want and everyone else like, sorry, like you can have the scraps along the way. Fuck that. Mm. Slow down, back up, zoom out and go, there's a way to approach this so that everybody gets what they want. It doesn't mean everyone gets exactly what they want immediately, but if we can make what everybody wants important, we've got the first step of good work. Mm. Which we can't say it that way every time. <laughs> but the idea is to be like tongue in cheek and cheeky and like we really want you to bring your personality. And that's the second piece. Everyone wins in that they're able to show up like as who they are. Mm. This is an unpopular take. Mm -hmm. but I say it every time <clears throat> a big problem with like professionalism and leadership being about qualities and not behaviors is in America, especially 
what do leaders look like? What are the qualities of a leader, right? We have like a, an image or a picture of a leader. Look at the most successful corporate leaders, a bunch of old white dudes. Mm. Fuck that, right? Like I'm Trojan horsing you motherfuckers. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, honestly, when I first got into the working world, I was like, why are the people who are in charge in charge? Like what, what allowed them to be in charge? And it's just, a lot of it is like we repress ourselves. We don't feel safe at work because we can't show up as ourselves. If your culture is not, you know, a white middle upper class male culture, then like you, well, you better conform to this. Fuck all that. Right. As a, as a guy who looks the part, that's why I get to coach. Right? Like if I was a disabled, overweight, black trans woman, do you think my clients early on would have trusted me to do what I do? No. And that's sad and that's broken. And we want a world of work where you can show up as who you are and your results are what matter. Right? Professionalism is being good at producing results. We also don't want you like hurting other people and like mm. getting in the way of other people's <clears throat> sense of being or personhood or self. Mm. But then the third piece is that everyone wins and like, caring for themselves and being cared for how they need. Because the reality is there's a whole culture of like, let's grind it down to dust. Mm -hmm. And I tell my leaders right out of the gates, if you want your people to perform at a high level, and if you want your people to stick around, the best ones at least, you need to model not grinding yourself down to dust. Because even if you say all the right things, if you're grinding yourself down, they're gonna do the same thing. Because they look at how you act and they replicate how you act. So the collective is the start of a movement to create this W-E-R-K, good work, where <clears throat> what we make important is everybody getting what they want, everyone showing up as they really are, and then everyone getting the care that they need. And I don't know, man, like, maybe work can be the best thing that we do. We spend half of our waking hours working, and then even the other half are totally ruined if we do too many hours during that time, or they're too painful. So what if work was fun? What if work was enjoyable? What if we look forward to going to work? What if we could show up and be ourselves there? What if we knew that our bosses and our jobs were gonna get us to what we wanted and make all of it important? And what if we also knew that when we go there, we're gonna be cared for? We might be sent home because, not because well, you're not performing today, but because, hey, you're not performing today, are you okay? You need to go take a walk. Mm. It's not, and there's no cut to your pay, by the way. You just need to go care for yourself. You're over-dedicated to the team and under-dedicated yourself, and that's a problem. Mm. You know what? It's like, that's a beautiful vision. However, I would say most people, and even as like a, a black man, like what I've learned in the, like in the workplace, it almost feels, it, it doesn't feel realistic mm -hmm. in the sense that like, I could show up to the workplace and be who I am and get results. Like kind of when I was coming out of university, that's what you think it is. Yeah. As like the naive like university student coming into the working world, you're like, oh, I'm just like myself, like a nice guy and whatever. And yeah. I just produce results and work hard and get stuff done and I'll go through the ranks. And it was like this process of increasingly seeing, I guess that's a component sometimes. But there's all these other components that have nothing to do with that. And it was actually, um, I think a lot of the times it's like you kind of had to adapt who you are to kind of fit in to the culture of where you're working and to succeed. 
in that environment. And you know what? I think for a lot of people, that would really resonate. Yeah. Like, what if I loved my work? Yeah. Um, what if the way that I show up outside of work was the exact way that I showed up in work? There was like this alignment. Yeah. I was congruent in every aspect of my yeah. life. I think people would love that. And it even reminds me of this. Um, I remember Jay-Z said this. He said, the thing I'm most grateful for um, when it comes to like my accolades, accomplishments, whatever, it's not anything that I've achieved. It's not any one thing. It's the fact that every room I step in, I step in there as Jay. Like yeah. people on, he doesn't even really, he's not in any sort of box. Yeah. Like people are not like, oh, it's the rapper. Like he's going to give us the rapper perspective or, oh, it's just the business guy, Jay, or the guy that made the liquor brand. Jay. Like yeah, yeah. it's just Jay-Z. He just, he, his personality is his career. Yeah. Um, so I guess the thing I'm curious for the person that's like, I would love for that to be my reality. How, like, how do you even get started yeah. being that? Because it feels like, the, everything the world is telling me is that I can't do that. Yeah. So what's going to make me different? Yeah. Like, how do I recreate the story? How do I make the story different? So I'd say, uh, on one hand, it's not on you, right? I mean, I'm, I'm big on personal responsibility. Mm. Uh, um, and uh, I can't imagine what you've had to, like, go through to, like, fit into that box. Mm. Right, like really practically, here's how I see it happens. Performance appraisal time comes. And what do you get appraised on? What's your review on? It's things like, on a scale of one to five, teamwork, communication, industrious. What the fuck does that mean? Mm. And that person evaluating you, there's actually a word for it. It's called substitution bias in behavioral psychology, where if you have a massively complex evaluation to make, our brains are too lazy. And we, honestly, we just don't know how to do it. So then we go, I'm just going to substitute a much simpler question. And really it's like, do I feel good about this person? Mm. And then <clears throat> there's another like uh, cognitive bias that comes in there. And it's like, <clears throat> when I interact with this person, do I experience cognitive ease or cognitive strain? Meaning like, does it just feel easy or does it feel like effortful? And <clears throat> on one hand, any great employee is going to make it feel effortful because they should be pushing you as a leader. But on the other hand, if I'm an old white guy and you're a young black man and I'm like, oh, and I have all this ingrained racism that I won't admit myself to, then I'm, you know, feeling, and then I'm blaming, I'm trying to justify it with like, oh, it must be your performance and communication. Fuck that. That's bullshit. So that's like operationally how it happens. Mm. I don't know the answer. And, uh, you know, I get on here and I, I know what I look like. I know I've enjoyed literally every privilege other than like Jeff Bezos level wealth, like literally every privilege, but I have to say it. And honestly, my angle on it is <clears throat> I'm taking all of these concepts and we're building them into like trainings and tools. And, and this is like too idealistic, but we're going to have like a gateway to all those training and tools are going to be free to everybody, but you have to sign like a pledge or like an open letter or pack. We're still working on that right now mm. that goes, <clears throat> we promise to use these for good work, make what everybody wants important, <clears throat> make everyone able to be who they are important and make sure everybody 
like having the care they need important. And here's my hope that the small number of leaders with like enough self-awareness and courage to build workplaces that afford those three things. And especially that middle one, right? Like the opportunity to like really show up as Jay, Mm. use your example. Uh, I'm going to do everything I can to support those places. And we're going to fucking crush the rest of you. Like Mm. we're coming for you. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's even a question, but also those leaders are going to get the best players, the best employees operating at the highest level. Like, honestly, I want to believe in the good and the human spirit. And if I'm right, that's just the way we're going to go. And like old white men are going to become antiquated. And like, I don't know, younger, mediocre white men are going to become antiquated. (laughs) I'm like, fuck, antiquate me. Like, I don't care. Like, just make, like, I hope I could still have like a job in the, (laughs) you know what I mean? But like, dude, it's been too long. And, um, and I, and I want it to happen faster. I'm like, I'm open to any feedback and input, but ultimately anyone that is willing to create good work, W-E-R-K, like I'm going to support the shit out of you. And I'm always thinking like, how do we make more tools and, and make this more open source? We're actually looking at taking our own, the, the, our good, we call it the good work collective, W-E-R-K, mm. and uh, make it an open source. So like all of our meetings, unless it's like a private individual meeting, but like all of our meetings, all of our documentation, everything, you can see all of it. Mm. So you see how we operate and like hopefully learn from that and like adapt it and make it your own and whatever, mm. right? Like the analogy we use is the guy who invented the seatbelt was like, okay, well, we're not going to patent this. Like everybody needs to have a three point seatbelt for safety. Like same thing. Fuck this. Let's take it all down. Let's just take it all down from the inside. You know what I mean? Mm. So on one hand, I recognize like, it's not a good enough answer, Kevin. Like we need to figure something out. Mm. And on the other hand, like it's the best I got for now, but I'm not going to not say it out loud because it's the best I got for now. Mm. You know what I'm curious is um, I can feel it even when you're when you're speaking, it's something that's like meaningful to you. The concept that everyone can do good work. Mm-hmm. Why, like, why is that? Like, why is it? Like, on the face of it, you kind of get it, right? Like, there's I think everyone is a human. We want them to be able to do good work. Mm-hmm. But for you, I feel like it has an extra significance. Mm-hmm. Where does that? Where well, does I'd that say because it's distinct from doing good work, right? So, if I am a, a director of marketing, and my job is to you know get clear on our messaging and our funnels and our customer profiles and get that all up and running and make sure that we have you know lead flow coming through, blah 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 blah. <clears throat> I'm doing good work. We want leaders to make good work, meaning good work for people. So when I go to work. <clears throat> The experience that I have is that the workplace, my employer, <clears throat> makes what I want important, makes me being myself like safe, and then make sure I'm cared for. So it's a little different. It's not so much about like work product or output. Mm. It's about when I go to earn my living, I get these three things in my experience. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. Just mm. like from a human level, <clears throat> everybody knows I'm right. You know, like everybody knows I'm right. Even the guy that's like, no, no, it's, it, it's nature out here. And like, it's competitive and like, okay, fine. Compete against me then. Right. We were talking about like being competitive earlier. That's like definitely a place that I still <laughs> retain that, that sense of competition because it's just like, I don't know. Um, everybody knows in their soul, like what I'm saying is right. Like 
everybody deserves the experience of their desires being important, the ability to show up as themselves and like to be cared for. Like what, what else is there to human life, right? Mm -hmm. Like pursue what you want, be who you are. And like, we all care for each other. Mm. It's fundamental. And if you want to argue with me about that, like I don't want to argue back. And when life beats the shit out of you enough times that you realize like, okay, fine, maybe you're right. You corny, softy asshole. You can come back and we'll be ready for you with open arms. Like when your Phoenix rises from the ashes, like join us and like make it all better. I'm happy to do that. But man, like we all know, we all know. Mm. And it's a lot of fear that gets in the way, but like we just can't do excuses anymore. People have been oppressed for too long. We can't do excuses, you know? Mm. You know, there was something else in the, that forecast episode, uh, the podcast you did with the fort. Uh, there was something else that you said that I thought was really powerful. Um, you go, we have so many broken money beliefs, broken self-worth beliefs. And then you say, I really love what I'm doing with my business. I love helping people get clear on their future, the future they want to create, how they're going to create it, and then seeing that transformation happening, working with someone with really special potential. And you know what? I almost think there's like five questions within that one quote <laughs> that I could go to. Mm -hmm. But I actually think we, we spent so, so long in this conversation talking about the future. Mm -hmm. What's the vision? What am I going to achieve? <laughs> what am I going to do in six months? Yeah. We've kind of neglected the past. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that a lot of things in our past can be inhibitors to what we could achieve in the future. And so I just want to take the first part of what you said. We have so many broken money beliefs, broken self-worth beliefs. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, what even, what made you say that? Like, what is the, what is the importance of that? Um, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, we all want to be worthy of love and belonging. That's the ultimate end game. And we are all fundamentally worthy of love and belonging. And it sounds, I don't even want to say, like, I don't want to justify it, you know? Because it's, it's, oh, that's cheesy, you got to blah, blah, blah. No, but no, like, the reality is that's what we're all after. Even when, even when you want to achieve at a high level, it's because you want to prove you're enough. Look, every, look, whole world, I'm enough, right? And it's just, <clears throat> that's the game. The game is to recognize, no, you, you're already fundamentally worthy of love and belonging. You don't need to prove it. I actually had a client that would say, my dad always told me that if I was uh, satisfied, I was dead. Right, like satisfaction was like, you might as well just wither up and die. I was like, no, oh, bro, check this out. You can be satisfied with today and in pursuit of more tomorrow. Ah, crazy. You can be like, I love this. This is great. I'm so grateful. I'm still going to strive for more tomorrow. <clears throat> but in order to do that, you've got to let go of the shame of not being enough, the shame of being unworthy. And the reality is like, it's just very much a part of being human. You know, when I say broken beliefs, they're also like natural beliefs. And like, I've definitely been on still am on, will always be on my own journey to be like, okay, it's okay. 
like you are fundamentally worthy of love and belonging. But honestly, if you, if you want like a real silver bullet to leadership and success and like the good life, it's figure that out. And that's why I say literally go to therapy and figure out how worthy you are of love and belonging. That's, mm. it's the ultimate, in my mind, it's the ultimate game changer. Mm. Because is someone gonna outwork me? Lots of people, lots of people. But is someone gonna have like the peace that I have? Fewer people. And I, I just wanna invite everyone into that. You know mm. what I mean? And look, the irony is like, you're not gonna outwork me if you are disrupting the, the environment like for people to have peace. I'm like, we are all getting along. It is, I'll do anything for you. Like we are besties. Oh, you're putting the environment in jeopardy. Oh, you are my mortal sworn enemy. And it's just like, it's literally a thing in me. Mm. And then I, I go after that, which is like, there's another thing where I would be more effective there if I had a deeper rooting in my own worthiness of love and belonging. Then I wouldn't get like militant with them about it. I'd go, oh, you must be hurting. Step said, let's talk. Mm. What do you need? Like, how do you need to be seen? Where's your pain? But I'm still proving, right? Like, I'm going to stand up for the little guy. And it's like, okay, good, <laughs> good. But like causing a hurting person more pain is going to make them stop causing other people pain. Mm-hmm. So it's just fundamental to the whole thing, right? Like the end game is, <clears throat> and that's to see, like, as that bus is hitting you or as you're laying in that bed in, in hospice at home with your family surrounding you, hopefully... You can go, hmm, you know, I'm at peace with all this. And the mm. peace is in the worthiness of love and belonging. Mm. That's what I'm always pushing for. Mm. Love and belonging. It's like the ultimate win. That's interesting. I've never heard someone say it like that. There's nothing else really at the end of the Y chain. Mm. Like if you go far enough on the Y chain that we opened with talking about the Y chain exercise, like why do you want that? Why do you want that? Why do you want that? It's ultimately, if you're honest with yourself and like, and you have the awareness to break through to that, like that's where you end up. That's the game, mm. you know? Was there an experience for you? Was there a story or just something that happened mm-hmm. that you kind of came to, to that realization? Because you know what, and, and, and let's be honest, you can read all of the philosophy, <laughs> all of the, the, I don't know, the monks tell you about how, um, you can have all these achievements, you can have all the money, uh, women, access, whatever it is, the thing that you think that you want. Um, and most of those kind of philosophers and um, different, those different people will tell you, it's like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna give you the satisfaction. It's yeah. not gonna give you the fulfillment. But regardless of that, 99% of us are still like, it's cool that you said that, but we're still gonna, I'm still gonna go and- <laughs> Me too, try. to be yeah. clear, I'm part of the 99%, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing that, I'm like, let me go and achieve all that stuff first, and then I'll tell you about the fulfillment stuff. But you tell me, is there an experience, is there a story where that really got cemented in your mind? You're like, that is the ultimate win, is the love and belonging, mm-hmm. and feeling that, not needing something else to validate that, mm-hmm. just feeling that in your spirit, in your core. Yeah. Um. I think it's mainly that I've just always been such a deep feeler, like such a deep feeler, like everything. I'll be walking down the street in New York. This actually happened to me today. I was sitting in the office at the WeWork and it's that time of year where the leaves are changing color Mm. and it gets windy and they'll kind of flutter around. I fucking cried (laughs) at the office. 
office at the WeWork today. Like I just, but then at the same time on the other end, like I'll have the most like, and, and that's like a happy, that's a happy, I'll have like the most elated, but then like when I feel it, I feel it and I want to feel it, right? Like when it's hard, when things are tough, when I'm sad, when I'm down, like I go all the way in and, and it's healthy for me because then I process it. But I think because I've always had such deep feelings and big feelings, they kind of freak other people out. And then I get feeling kind of lonely. Mm. And anytime some, my mom was always, has always been, it still is so good about like what we call holding space, which is where I'll say, I'll, I'll be talking about my feelings. I'll be crying. I'll be upset. I'll be happy, whatever. And she won't try to justify. She won't try to solve. She won't say it's going to be okay. I mean, she might eventually say it's going to be okay, but she like lets me be with my feelings my whole life growing up. And I, so I, I like inherently and intrinsically knew the value of like another person allowing you your feelings and not rushing you out of your feelings and not trying to justify your feelings or get away from challenging feelings. And so anytime someone's done that for me, I just, I think because I'm so connected to how I feel, there's this like, whew, like a peace and a resonance and a connection that's like just unbeatable, like truly unbeatable. There's actually, this is a weird, this is a weird parallel, but there's a restaurant here in New York called La French Diner. Mm. And it is in my opinion, like maybe the perfect restaurant. Mm. And it just, <laughs> most people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You walk in there and there's, there's just like an authenticity and a connection and a belonging and like they're caring for you. And it's not, it's not like a car bone where it's like, because there's a famous person next to you and it's hard to get into. And it's no, like anyone can come. They don't take reservations. You're going to have to get on the list. You might want to get there early. They'll call you when you're ready. And then they're going to love on you when you get there. And like, sometimes they have days where they're, I don't know. It's just like authentic. Mm. And, um, I'm always looking for that experience. I'm always looking to create that experience that can we be who we really are together. And part of, part of who we really are is uh, a species that pursues. Mm. We do, we pursue, we, we're curious. We're, we like to tinker with things. We like to figure things out. We like to do discoveries. It's fucking amazing, mm. right? Look at all the James Webb uh, telescope photos coming out right now. They're fucking amazing. Don't tell me they're not. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, that's us like being who we really are, but like, just let's not sacrifice the be who we really are part. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but I, I think because I've always just felt so deeply <clears throat> when I see someone else feeling deeply as well, I just can't help but like try to create the world I want to live in and not in like a, <clears throat> what's that Gandhi quote? Like, um, be the change you want to see in the world, like selfishly. Like just selfishly, I prefer that world. And if we have a shot at it, like I got, I got to like make my vote, right? Human, Humanity is currently 8 billion souls. It's a lot of votes. And so I'm, that this is where I'm going to put my vote is like, let's have a world where we're allowed to be and feel and exist together. Um, yeah, we got some ways to go, but like, I don't know, man, I think we're making progress, right? Like mental health is a thing now. Like Gen Z is so fucking good about understanding my being like my personhood <clears throat> is actually the most important thing. And I'm not going to buy into this fucking lie that my shareholders profits are more important than that. Mm. And I'm with them, man. I am with them. I'm telling you, these motherfuckers are about to crush 
once they start to like get a sense for the working world and like really start moving into leadership roles, watch the fuck out. I, I think like the average quality of leadership across at least America is in the next 10 to 15 years as Gen Z starts stepping into those positions and as more women start stepping into those positions. And let's say people of color, people who've had to struggle and like conform and understand like how to empathize with the experience of being mm. crammed down. Mm. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm being idealistic, but I think like the average quality of leadership across the United States is about to, is about to go up like significantly. Yeah, that's an exciting future. You know what? So I'm curious with all the, the leaders that you've kind of spoken with, um, the CEOs, the executives, I'm sure that question of like, almost the, the, the beliefs about like self-worth or the, um, just like that, that lack of feeling the belonging and, and the love and the acceptance, feeling like you have to prove something. Mm -hmm. I think about how powerful it would be for humanity if there was a deeper sense of just feeling like a bit, just a, a little bit more content, like not feeling like you have to go and do something yeah. in order to be validated. I'm curious, just from your experience, when you hear people's stories, when you hear what people are saying to you, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to that? Like what stops, like how many people can you really say they repaired the broken self-worth like, belief in their, in their lives? Like it's a rarity, right? Yeah. Like what do you think is the biggest obstacle that stops people from just feeling that self-worth? <clears throat> what a good question. Well, um, I'd say probably the number one barrier <clears throat> to circle back to the beginning of like the real operational side of the leadership conversation that we started with is when we talk about setting that vision for the future, there's like setting it for the company or the team, but we root it in everyone doing their own individual vision first. Like, what do I want for me? And I think the biggest barrier is like not making what you want important, right? Going back to like, well, that's not big enough. It's too simple or too weird. If it's simple or weird, good chance that's it. Like, give it a shot. And so I'd say the biggest barrier is our belief that it's supposed to be monumental, right? And our prioritization of how other people will perceive it versus like the true degree it will create joy in us. And so like step one, make yourself important. Like just write it down. I don't care if it's one sentence, right? Like choose one thing and it doesn't have to be six months out. You might go, that's overwhelming. And it is. It's absolutely fucking overwhelming. <clears throat> but, you know, put something a week out, try a month out, try three months out, like work your way up, but like take a risk on yourself and go, what do I really want? Like for me, and then like really take a risk on it, you know? And I, again, I gotta be careful because like that's my privilege speaking, right? Like me taking a risk and my safety nets and like how society perceives me is so different than someone who doesn't look like me and have all the privileges that I have. Mm -hmm. But like, we got to find a way to chip away at it, right? So from a personal responsibility standpoint, like make what you want important, at least write down like one thing that's too simple or too weird, like something that's genuine to you and stick with it. And then outside of that, there's like a, 
real magic to the like universal exchange of it where you can now go looking for how do I support other people on doing the same thing? And it's like, how many votes can we get going in the right direction? And can we hit critical mass? But I think also like as that's why I'm so excited about Gen Z because, you know, <clears throat> like my dad, like it's fucking, he's done a little bit of therapy. My dad's great. <clears throat> my dad's like he's such a kind, amazing man. But like there's a there's there's a real barrier to our connection. <clears throat> and like, fuck, what I wouldn't give for him to like go to therapy and we could like bridge that. You know, he's like getting near the end of his life. Like, even if he lives 20 more years, it's not that fucking many more years, in my opinion. Love my dad. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and so these these Gen Z professionals prioritizing mental health and like popularizing it. And like I like to think we millennials sound like a little bit to to do with that, you know, like took some, some initial steps, but like, um, I guess start, you got to start by believing what you want is important. And it doesn't mean you don't have to make what other people, well, like the, the, the desires of other people important. And that includes like some of the like ugly compromises that people have to make to like satisfy the expectations of a certain environment. Mm. But like, I guess like step one, choose one thing that you know is like real for you and your soul. And step two, like find at least one person that'll help you protect it. And you can like back and forth that, mm. you know, you know, um, something that I, I really feel and it's really powerful is that initial belief is actually so important. Just the, the initial thought of like, this is what matters to me. And then like, I'm going to go after it. Mm -hmm. uh, so often that story is not told enough or it's not pushed enough. The person that just went after the thing that they wanted and it was just that simple. They just went after the thing that that simple, weird thought that you spoke about, they just pursued it. And that's the journey that I'm on currently. And for anyone that's thinking about pursuing that path and going all in on it, I'll give them a little preview, which is this, which is you're going to get to this weird middle zone on the path to achieving the thing that you want, where it's like, you're not there yet. So you're not in this new reality, but then you've also gone far enough away from where you were originally. And it started getting kind of tough. Like it started getting <laughs> a bit, it started getting a bit difficult. Yeah. And this thing happens where like, you start to exist almost on the fringes. Mm -hmm. Like even some of your, old like your previous friends you don't even relate with each other the same mm -hmm. way or like um the environment that you're in you kind of feel like maybe i should move somewhere else or i need to live somewhere else you can't you're just in this weird middle zone yeah. in a bunch of places and it can give it can give this feeling of like loneliness i actually think it's the part in the middle that's the most difficult. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, what could you say to that person? The person that's in the middle, the person that they've made the bet, you know, they've left their job to do the podcast. They've left their, yeah. um, they've left their place in San Diego to come to New York. Like they've, they've done the initial bet and now they're in it. And it's new 
and it's difficult and the little chatters even starting in their brain of like what the fuck were you thinking <laughs> yeah what would you say to that person how do they keep going please 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 just fucking be so proud of yourself right because <clears throat> look around how many people are willing to get that far from shore right you're at this point of no return where you're like well it's like further back to shore now than it is to that island but I'm tired as fuck. But like, wow, how many people do that? Like, look around. How often can you see someone who's just like, mm, okay, well, I got to stay in what's expected of me and I've got to conform to these timelines. I've got to be married by 26. I'm going to have a kid by 29 and I've got to be a director before I'm 30 and then a VP by 35 and got to be a lawyer, got to be a doctor. My parents wanted this. Like, to have the courage to swim out that far from shore, trust me, you fucking have what it takes. And I'll say this as well. The research shows us that high capacity people always struggle the most with imposter syndrome. So if you are doubting yourself, you're almost guaranteed high capacity. Mm. If you're not doubting yourself, like, Good, congrats. Like, that's a simple life. <laughs> Enjoy it, man. Like, I wish. I wish I could have that. But like, if, you're, if you find yourself in that spot and you're doubting yourself, the research shows us you're high capacity, mm. you know? Mm. And these things are hard. And most people don't swim that journey because the island and the shore are very far apart. And if you're having that experience, you fucking need to be proud of yourself because we damn well know that if you were talking to someone else about it, and they told you the same story, and especially if they're your best friend, you'd be fucking proud of them. So don't be a dumbass. Be proud of you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? The courage, man. The fucking courage. It's one of my favorite qualities. Mm. Yeah, just going off to the thing. I think it's so, I think it's so good. I, even, I did a video about, um, I had a little clip about it, where like, I just think it's the most powerful thing in the world to have a thought, a vision that starts in your brain and just slowly start putting the steps in to make it happen. And then eventually, um, eventually it's like, it's there. It's like your reality. I think that that process is just incredibly powerful and it's incredibly empowering because then it's like, it goes from what we were talking about earlier that there's all these things working against you and it goes to, everything is actually in my power. Like yeah. I can do something. Yeah. I can create a result in the world that wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. Just through sheer sense of will. Um, I think it's one of the most, it's one of the most powerful things. Well, and I, <clears throat> you know, it's funny because like, there's this weird, <sighs> I don't really know what the word for it is. It's like, a, or it's not coming to me at least, but this, um, parallel between like our obsession with the result and the reality is it's like at the end of the day it's not the results right like uh, you know this is like it sounds i shouldn't compare pain but it sounds silly in the context of like my privilege but like i had my fucking heart broken last november almost a year ago now best one of the best things that ever happened to me like the growth and like the presence and the self-love that i've been able to achieve by like wading through the pain of that mm. i just wouldn't trade it for the world man I wouldn't trade it for the world 
and like to use cheesy sports analogies, when you think back on uh, winners and losers of Super Bowls, I love where you're talking, we were talking football earlier, like when the Patriots beat the Falcons and they were down 28-3, like do it for the plot, baby. You know, like that's one of the best Super Bowl wins you could possibly imagine. I think the year after that, it was like Rams and somebody. It was like 13-9. Like nobody remembers that one. Yeah. Right? Remember when, when um, Malcolm Butler picked off Russell Wilson on the goal line? Like that game was over. Brees Mode was going to just run that thing in. I'm like, do it for the plot. You know? And like, yeah, it's great. It's great to realize results. Yeah. It's fun. Honestly, it's like that's the playing field. But like the joy of running around and playing is like, that's the real sauce, man. Hmm. You know, here's where I want to, here's where I want to end. And you kind of gave me the alley-oop with the, <laughs> with the Brady, with the Brady analogy. Um, if you ask Brady about the regrets from his career or the moments that he thinks about, like when he's having a quiet moment and there's like a little pang of like, ah, like we didn't do that thing um he'll always talk about those two super bowl losses to the Giants, mm-hmm. right and that's like he's had so much success he's widely acclaimed and known as the goat of this sport yeah. the most popular sport in the country that he's from and lives he's the goat yeah. and he still thinks about these two these two games regrets I'm curious, and you even said it in the beginning of like, just being on the deathbed and not being able to look at something and be like, you know, just have those regrets, have those things of like, oh, I just didn't give it a go. I didn't give it a try. I'm curious, like at the point that you're at now, everything you've achieved, everything you've built, the highs, the lows, um, the incredible achievements, the heartbreaks, whatever. I'm curious if there's anything that you look at when you reflect on your life and you're like, it's just a regret. Like it's always going to sit with me. Like mm-hmm. it's always going to live with me. Um, I think so. You know, I, <clears throat> I've adopted this position that um, everyone is perfect and like right on time. Like you're right on schedule. I'm like, who knows where we're going to be tomorrow. But a lot of my own personal practice has been about like surrender. And like self-forgiveness. So like my journey of self-love has come to like, oh, I get why I did that. There's like things I've done I'm not proud of, trust me. And like a lot of like really vulnerable things I'm not going to share with the whole wide world, right? Because like you have to keep some sense of like inner private world. But by affording myself like compassion and understanding and forgiveness, I have a deeper well of doing the same for other people. And the more I can do the same for other people, the more I can create the world I want to live in. And the world I want to live in makes it so that everybody can be who they are and pursue what they want and get the care that they need. Mm. So I totally punted. (laughs) (laughs) To use a football analogy, but that's the honest truth, man. Like, I'm not Tom Brady. Most of us are not Tom Brady. And I think there's something to realizing that, like, well, that makes for good sporting news. I don't know if it makes for great life. 
And um, I'm always willing to try again and learn and adjust. And that like self-forgiveness has been a big part of my ability to have peace and appreciate my existence. And I don't know, I just, <clears throat> I want to invite as many people as possible into that with me. That's beautiful, man. No, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having me. This is fun. Really fun. Nice. We got deep. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel. We're having fire conversations every week on the podcast. Before we end the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Free Agency. What if I told you there is a good chance you're leaving money on the table in your career? It would kind of annoy you a bit, right? Well, Free Agency aims to stop that. They represent and manage talent in the tech industry. Here's how they do it. First, they provide you with a dedicated talent agent. Think about this as your career quarterback. They understand you and your career goals. Based on that understanding, they bring you suitable interviews at top firms. You focus on smashing the interview and together with their network, research, negotiation expertise, they will make sure you get a top of market salary. Stop job searching alone and start building your dream career today with free agency.